You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. I want to introduce you to a Christian woman who played the leading role in establishing what would become one of the most important Particular Baptist churches in England. The church is Broadmead Baptist in Bristol, England. The woman is Dorothy Hazard, and her staunch courage and resolute actions are worthy of imitation by all sexes in this age of limp Christianity. We don't know Dorothy's maiden name. She was born about 1590, probably in or around Bristol, which at that time was the second most important city in England. About 12,000 inhabited this urban center of shipping and trade. At some point, she married a man named Anthony Kelly, who owned a grocery on High Street in town. For some years, Anthony and Dorothy frequented the preaching of the Puritan and Evangelical Minister of St. Philip's in Bristol, a Mr. Yeamans. Along with other godly people, the Kellys attended other preaching and prayer services that he led during the week in private homes. But in 1631, Mr. Kelly died. In his funeral address, Reverend Yeamans described him as a man, quote, who feared the Lord above many, unquote. In the records we have, there's never any mention of children, and it may be that they had none. But Dorothy is noted for her spiritual zeal. The Bristol records declare, quote, For in those days Mrs. Kelly was very famous for piety and reformation, bearing a living testimony against superstitions and traditions of days, she would not observe invented times and feasts called holy days. As she continued to run the grocery shop on High Street, she purposely stayed open on what was called Christ Mass Day, or what some believers called Cursed Mass Day. Only the Lord's Day was holy to them, and Dorothy denied that the king or church could make any other day holy. This was not a civic holiday. This was a holy religious day. So she would sit sewing in her shop, open for business, in plain view of passers-by. This was one of the ways that she became well-known as the first one in Bristol to practice separation from the state church. So we're not surprised that on at least one occasion she and her home in the store were attacked. The windows were broken by a mob largely made up of drunken sailors. They complained that it was strange for people to meet in a building for church that had a chimney in it. What strange ideas some people have of what makes up true religion. Dorothy and others gathered for many years, going over sermon notes and keeping days of fasting and prayer. Their resolution for a more pure worship of God according to the scriptures grew. Their numbers increased and they began to speak to their neighbors. The Bishop of Bristol even tried to end their meetings, but was foiled. Then the Lord sent to the city a young clergyman named Matthew Hazard, 
He preached at the St. Nicholas Church in Bristol and gave lectures or teaching times at St. Mary Redcliffe nearby. Because he had Puritan sympathies, he eventually lost those opportunities. But the people, knowing the spiritual vitality of the widow, Dorothy, urged her to marry Reverend Hazard, which she did. Their name is usually spelled H-A-Z-Z-A-R-D in modern books, but it is found written several other ways as well. The only example of her signature I am aware of, she signs as H-A-S-S-A-R-D, but pronounced Hazard nonetheless. Marrying Reverend Hazard did not soften her convictions. Another clergyman in the parish where they lived began to preach that pictures and images could be used in worship. In the middle of that sermon, Dorothy stood up and in front of everyone walked out, saying she would never listen to him again. And she didn't. But this could cause all kinds of trouble for the hazards. So they considered taking a home outside of that parish. History tells us that in 1639, as they were leaving their house to purchase another one, a woman came to tell them the minister of St. Ewan's parish had just died, and the people had voted Reverend Hazard to be their minister. So they escaped the wrath of the parson, and Matthew settled into the ministry. To use Dorothy's own words, quote, The Lord had a little corner to hide us from the rage of men. Dorothy used their new home to house families escaping to New England for conscience' sake. It was a bit of a Puritan underground railroad stop. She also took in women about to give birth so they would not have to endure the church ceremonies related to that, which violated their moral sense about man-created worship practices. Eventually, Dorothy had conscience troubles with the forced use of the Book of Common Prayer for worship. So with four other men in 1640 at her home, the five resolved to leave what they called, quote, the worship of the world, and they covenanted together to worship the Lord purely. This is the formation of the first dissenting church in Bristol that became, step by step, the Broadmead Baptist Church, which in 1689 signed the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. Dorothy's influence wasn't just within a small circle of women friends, however. One of the other ministers in town, a Mr. Pennell, resigned his office and joined the church. After Mrs. Hazard pressed him repeatedly with scripture in a Priscilla-like manner, so by 1642, the body had grown large to 160 members. But at this point, the English Civil War came to Bristol. The parliamentary forces with Puritan sympathies held Bristol, but it was taken by the Royalist forces in 1643. Dorothy, now about 53 years old, led a large party of women, perhaps upwards of 200, in defending one of the city gates, the Froom Gate. They supplied sandbags to fill holes in the city walls and even offered the governor to act as human shields against the royalists. The governor turned them down. As one writer has rather cheekily stated, evidently the good woman had a strong belief in the church militant. 
Despite these efforts, the king's forces captured Bristol, and the Hazards lost all their belongings. They spent the next two years in London, attending either Henry Jesse's or William Kiffin's church. This is evidence that perhaps Dorothy was already convinced of believers' baptism. Certainly, some in the church were, for they worshipped with the baptized congregation of Kiffin. When they returned to Bristol, after the parliamentary forces recaptured it, they reconstituted the church by covenant. And listen to this beautiful statement. Here was their purpose, quote, to keep close to the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, and the plain truths and ordinances of the gospel, of church fellowship, breaking bread and prayers, and to be subject to one another according to the rule of Christ. It was during the relative peace of the 1650s that the question of baptism was debated at length, and the elders and most of the people were scripturally immersed by Henry Jesse in London. Dorothy continued to play a large role in church life, although always in subjection to the elders and not speaking publicly in church meetings. She lost her second husband, Matthew, in 1671, and in that same year, when the church was calling Thomas Hardcastle to preach, all the male church members signed the call first, led by the elders. But the first woman to sign was Dorothy Hazard. Then at age 84, she entered heavenly worship. Here is Elder Edward Terrell's description of her death. Upon this day in the evening, being the 14th day of the first month, 1674, now that's what we would call March 14th, 1675, our aged sister Hazard departed in the close of the Sabbath to her eternal Sabbath rest. She was the first woman member of the congregation. She lived to a great age and came to her grave, a shock of corn fully ripe. And so this indomitable woman, full of scriptural conviction, was rightly honored by her elder. And we too should thank God for her life, which was so instrumental in forming one of the most important dissenting and later particular Baptist churches. Here are several quick summary points. First, her story is a good reminder that reform, both personal and ecclesiastical, comes in stages. Light obeyed leads to more light. Secondly, notice the heavy and very proper emphasis on practicing the true worship of God. Dorothy's story also illustrates the value that sound Christian women may bring to church reform. Thirdly, note the use of a covenant between members to form a church. This is a long congregational and Baptist practice. And fourthly, here is yet another historical example of how some Baptist churches came from Puritan church roots. Yes, particular Baptists are Reformed churchmen. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. Thank you.